afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of Coding with Christine Hall. I have Beth Sleeper with me today. Uh, she is a good friend of mine. I always pronounce your last name wrong. Sleeper. Sleeper. Not Sleeper. That's um, And uh, Beth is here with me. She is the owner of Advanced Coding Services and uh, just another one of the big gurus in this industry who are there to help us in becoming the best coders that we absolutely possibly can be. So thanks so much, Beth, for coming on the show with me today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm so honored and excited to be here. What a privilege. Thank you. Sure. Did you know that today is National Bomb Pop Day? Today. Those? Yeah, today. 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 Remember the, the red, white, and blue popsicles? I, yes. I used to get those when I was a kid, and I loved them. Yes. Yep. So today is National Bomb Pop Day. So I'm going to have to run out and grab some of those for 4th of July this weekend. Yeah. And let's remember that because maybe at the end we'll have a conversation about bomb pops and where we could have them together. Oh, oh I, I like where you're going with this. <laughs> that could be fun. So today we were going to talk a little bit about um, chapter 14 of the ICD-10 guidelines. Yes. Um, and, and this season on Coding with Christine Hall, we really are focusing on understanding the ICD-10 guidelines just a little bit more because I think I say it every single episode, they're just really difficult to understand. And um, sometimes I think we just need to look at it from a, a slightly different perspective. So it's not so tedious, tasking, troubling. One of those T words. Yes. <laughs> One of those T words. <laughs> well, it's important to remember that we have guidelines and we remember that we have them, but oh, by the way, we have to implement and use them. That's a problem. That's, I, that's a problem. A lot of people don't read the guidelines every year. Now, I'm, I'm a self-proclaimed nerd, and I, there you go, right? Bound on your desk. Oh, <laughs> my. Yes, that is why we're friends. Um, so I do the same thing, too. I, I print them out every year. I look at what is highlighted, the new information that comes through. Yeah. Uh, and pleasantly surprised every year of how those guidelines are becoming more and more coder-friendly. Yes. Yes. Um, I like to, I do the same thing. They're bound, but then I make my notes because, you know, oh, by the way, sometimes I get a little wild hair and I might take another exam. Um, but I make my notes so that I don't have to think about what comes first, the chicken or the egg, how to sequence. Um, so I can remember, like, let's just talk about your stages of chronic kidney disease. I'm not jumping ahead. Sorry. It's okay. Go um, right ahead. Like, out to the side, I have two, which means mild. So I remember that my code, when it ends in two, that's my stage two is mild. So I, I kind of make those little notes out to the side. So I remember, I don't have to read the whole guideline because I've already read it and then kind of made my little notes out to the side. So I can just look at it and know what I'm doing. And that is such priceless advice because during a certification exam or like we were talking earlier, I'm in the middle of this audit. Right. Um, it's so important just to be able to glance and 
get confirmation of what that paragraph or what that section, what it's trying to tell you. Yes. What, get to the point. Tell me that I sequence it this way or this way uh, so that I have a little bit of knowledge. Another thing that I'll do, especially with kidney disease, because there's not a lot of guideline. It's not a big guideline for us, the right. kidney disease. So I kind of go through the, the tabular section and find maybe some of those red love notes or oh, yes. code first or use additional code. Code uh, underlining, underlining yeah. conditions. And I might make a little note off to the side on my guideline just to remind me that there's a sequencing in the tabular that maybe I don't look at the tabular all the time, but it's still important to know what came first. And um, of course, if there's on, if they're on dialysis, we have to report that. And there's, there's one little exclude notes under N18 that wow. is kind of a, a trick, I think. Is that a good word for it? Um, a challenge? A challenge. Right. The one excludes is when someone has stage five kidney disease and they're on dialysis. Ah. We're guided to use end stage renal disease as an alternative to N18.5 and our Z99.2. Isn't that strange? Um, yes, but I mean, if you're looking at chronic kidney disease at stage five, I mean, yes, yes, it's strange. But, and sometimes you just wonder what was their thought process when they're doing these? But I, I guess My there was no process thought process. Is Beth, is that as coders, we don't have the responsibility of being clinical. Correct. If we were a nurse, we would know that. Right. But as coders, we don't have that same responsibility to know that. No. And I, again, no one from the American Hospital Association or World Health Organization has ever called me for my opinion. But if I had to guess where their thought process was coming from, I would think that that's what they're they're trying to make sure that from a coder's perspective, while we don't have the clinical knowledge, this would be commonly seen. Right. Stage five on dialysis really does give that well, impression that it's end stage renal disease. Right. Right. Yeah. If you're on dialysis, I would think that that's indicative of end stage, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. You wouldn't be on dialysis at stage one or stage two because those are mild. You would not right. be on dialysis there. You don't. You don't incur my dialysis until you're at end stage, really. Right. Right. And and you start to see the precursor around stage four because right. kidneys are not working to their full capacity at this point. We we do see things that are starting to break down, that the it's not bring that, that waste out of the body as it's supposed to, and it's starting to really become problematic. Right. And my experience has been that, again, as a coder who has picked up enough along the way, because mm -hmm. I've been doing this for, you know, a couple of days, um, well, what I say is I've been doing this for 27 years, but I started when I was two because I'm not yet 30. So well, there you go. Thanks. Right. We started to borrow that if, in if the place. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that they also talk about in the guidelines is how um, 
when the kidneys start to deteriorate, oftentimes they kind of provoke other conditions or um, they are provoked by other conditions, other, usually right. systemic. Right. And there's a relationship that happens between right. those. And we're, we have guidelines that are built in the got well, built in the glide guidelines within the guidelines. Yeah. That's yeah. what I wanted to say. Guidelines within the guidelines. So as I was looking through there, um, oftentimes you'll see a reference to another chapter right. where they talk about like chapter nine talks about hypertension and kidney disease and the relationship between the two and the specific codes and the sequencing of those codes um, for those two relationships together. Right. Because they, they work together. The body is an amazing creation and it works together. And sometimes when it doesn't work together, then it doesn't work together. Yep. And one condition can make another condition worse. And, um, and you know, I'm going to go off a little bit, but I've noticed that a lot of people don't really understand that relationship. When I say a lot of people, I'm really talking about my perfect husband. Um, ah. Yes. So no, he does not have any of these chronic conditions, but something just really small, like right now we're on a big weight loss thing. The two of us are, and he's absolutely convinced that he does exercise through his activities of work. And I have to explain to him that, honey, your body's conditioned to those activities of right. work. So exercise would be beyond the activities of work. Additional to. <laughs> and food. He's like, well, um, Reese's peanut butter cups. It's got peanut butter in it. Peanut butter's a nut. <laughs> so are you, honey. <laughs> but no. <laughs> I'm going to borrow that. You know that's coming out. Oh, I'm going to borrow that. Um, and so by eating something like the peanut butter cup, it's going to make the weight loss more difficult and that right. relationship between those two things. And we may not realize that high blood pressure can affect the kidneys and, and how, um, seriously it affects the kidneys. Well, and when you think of diabetes, it's all systemic and, and patients are like, I have diabetes. I don't have all of these other conditions. Why are you treating me? Why do I suddenly have all of these? It's because your body works as a perfect clock. Mm -hmm. And if your clock is not ticking correctly, it starts to, you start to skip a beat literally. And that affects your entire system. Um, and if left untreated or particularly in the case of diabetes, if you're eating a lot of those Reese's peanut butter cups, <laughs> it becomes a problem with your system and it causes your system to work overtime and overload your system that your system has to then work harder to keep up with. And at some point your system's just tired. Oh, I say that all the time. I'm just I tired. My system is tired. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm tired. <laughs> right. So, um, I'm, I'm about to take another certification exam on Friday. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. The, okay. uh, and I was studying for it and Lo and behold, in one of the study questions, it was asking about a kidney transplant. Ah, okay. And CKD post-kidney transplant. Oh, okay. And I immediately had that epiphany. There's a guideline. There's got to be a guideline. Don't know what it is, but I know where to find it. And where do you find said guideline? Ah, IC 14-2, A2. I see 14A2, A2, yes. I'm starting to get much better at chapter and verse of the guidelines. Oh, yes. Very nice. 
Yes, yes. And the what they tell us there is that sometimes, even though you have a kidney transplant, you still have kidney disease. Right. Because whatever was wrong with the body that had caused the kidney disease right. may not be fixed. And right. so we could continue to see um, additional kidney disease in that. And how do we code that? Is that, is that a complication or is it not a complication? How do we code the complication? Um, so I was looking at that guideline there. Nice. And they were telling us that there is actually a better section of the guidelines to define complications to us. And that's in uh, the guideline chapter 19. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool because that there is where it specifically says that kidney disease is not considered a complication in that there, that we need to see that there's documentation of what condition affected the kidney transplant that would be considered the complication and then the sequencing of it right, right? what goes first the t code or the n code or the you know how does that work right yeah it's important to um to not be so narrow-minded or narrow focused that i'm just looking at the genitourinary system and i can't go in any other section and I'm going to tell you, if you like, if you work in, um, uh, oh, I was wearing a shirt yesterday, completely off topic. I was wearing a shirt yesterday and my daughter said, mom, I will never wear that shirt. And I said, well, she's starting to be a nurse practitioner. I said, well, you know, if you work in a urine, if uh, you work in a urologist office, you might. And she's like, no, but we want to make sure that just because we're in a specific specialty, that we are not so narrow-minded or narrow of mind that we are like that's my only chapter and i don't go outside of it absolutely that's that's failing our providers absolutely there's there's so many other uh, there's so many overlap in healthcare period right um and i'm and i'm seeing that in this audit that i'm doing right now where the provider is talking about how um a seizure disorder is actually making this other condition worse, exacerbating um, a, a circulatory condition that right. is, you know, becoming worse because of the epilepsy that the patient is having. So there's neurology crossing over into cardiology, crossing into endocrinology, crossing over into um, surgeries, you know, general surgeries, and so many other areas that we've really got to keep that just like you said that that broad broad perspective right right yeah right absolutely incredible there well i mean you remember our bodies as we've said numerous times today our bodies work together and so what affects the kidneys we need to be open-minded so that we're coding the, the problem but also maybe the causal relationship that's important right that's important comorbidities. to know our comorbidities yeah we cannot we cannot compartmentalize right if we want to get our claims paid and adjudicated correctly we have to code correctly based on the documentation and we cannot compartmentalize we have to we have to include the entire book as Absolutely. and and even for i don't know that we're working with icd-10 but even if we're looking at uh enm leveling an enm right. service um there's lots of times where the provider may not be treating the condition, but 
they have to evaluate it in order right. to see how it affects the conditions that they are treating. Right. And that assessment, right? right. That assessment right. can count towards the level of complexity that that visit has, that that visit supports there. Right. So again, while epilepsy may not be part of the, the, circula the, the cardiovascular disease that we're dealing with, because of the medications, because of the right. frequency of the seizures, because of all of those things are part of the thought process in the next step in treating this cardiovascular problem. Well, and the causal relationship. We have to know if we are treating a, a, a diabetic patient for my imperfect husband, a diabetic patient who has gotten a little carried away with the nail clippers and has trimmed his toenail down to the nub, that when the podiatrist now is treating that problem, they have to factor in the diabetes and all of the other comorbidities because that affects the healing. That will affect what meds are, is, this, is this patient already on and will any of them counteract each other and will they interact with each other? Will they be okay or not? And so while the podiatrist might not be treating him for his diabetes, they have to, that has to play a role. It just has to. Same thing, endocrinologist, I mean, yeah. not endocrinologist, rheumatologist. Oh, rheumatologist right. prescribing long-term use of steroids for a diabetic patient um, yeah. and the diabetic patient who has kidney disease, right? Now there's, there's other factors happening here that we really need to look at the broader perspective of it. Right. Um, side note, I hope that in the near future, providers will be able to go back to that type of documentation that our EMRs will update to allow providers to, to report these conditions or that thought process. Right. Betty, it's Betty that says think in ink, right? They'll yes. be able to document that with ease and not be right. hindered by some of the um, check boxes or the limitations that the current EMR templates may have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the EMRs, I think were, they have their place. Um, but I think each provider needs to tweak them for how they fit their practice. Cause no two practices are the same. No two providers document the same. And so we might have a practice with eight doctors, but their documentation looks different because their thought process is different. And yeah. so it's important that they're allowed to document and get their thoughts out so that there's continuity of care for the patient, but also so that we as coders can see that. If you've ever listened to any of the um, hospital M&Ms, the, the morbidity, mortality, when, when there is a, a complication that, that arises in maybe a, a serious injury or a death of a patient, and you get a room full of providers together and they start throwing out their ideas, um, or, or for those of us that have never done that, maybe you've seen the, the TV show House, mm -hmm. where he sits there with his whiteboard and they throw things up there all the time. Right. And you can literally see the different thought processes that come from the different providers in the room. And that's, that just reinforces what you said. Each provider is going to have a different thought process or based on their experiences with their patients. And so their documentation is not going to be cookie cutter. Correct. And sometimes those providers are frustrated by the limitation that the EMR provides or they just give up because 
that's the tool they have in front of them and that they're being required to use. So hopefully in the near future, I, I have my fingers crossed, I, good intentions, you know, that EMRs will realize that we need more frequent changes to those templates, um, that we need that provider intervention in, in having that ease of template. Yes. Yeah. That flexibility in a template. Yeah. Yes. Now, before you and I wrap up, I have, I've done my best. I've, I've been patient. <laughs> I really want to talk about the retreat. Now, this, this is, of course, the podcast that is focusing around the ICD-10 guidelines. But I've got to tell you that when we went, I went to um, the retreat that year that Advanced Coding Services hosted in San Diego mm -hmm. in June. Mm -hmm. or, May. It was a few weeks ago. It was just a few weeks ago. It was May. It feels like yesterday, honestly. Um, and and just from my personal perspective, um, I've attended hundreds of conferences in my career, and the retreat was nothing like I had ever experienced. It yes. was not someone preaching to me or lecturing me. Um, I was so involved in the conversation. And we did have that collaboration of minds. So you had the great Betty Hovey and Sonal yeah. Patel, and you had um, Kathleen Dietrich, and you had, and, and there were so many more, but you had all these great minds, Lady Martinez, that we were all sitting in a room together and we were looking at the guidelines, the, the uh, ERISA laws. We were looking at how to be a consultant. We were, collaboratively sharing the knowledge from the different perspectives, which was something I had never experienced before. So whether it is talking about the guidelines, you're going to get the perspective of the industry experts that have been sharing this knowledge, uh, absorbing this knowledge for decades. And we find little areas that maybe aren't as clear as we had originally thought. Um, and not just that, I mean, I'm sorry, I keep talking about, but the resources that were shared, yes. not just here's a link, but no. we opened them up and we looked at those resources and how to read it, how to understand it, how to apply it. And this was not just a, a, a one hour lecture. It was a discussion at dinner. It was after our discussions that we were talking about problems that we'd incurred in our work life and then solutions that other people have brought to the table. And I've even used so many of those solutions. Pam Vanderbilt brought some great subjects to the table that I'm using in my today world and it's made things so much easier. Um, so I couldn't help but but share that information with our listeners today. Um, Dr. Rosenstock, you are right on the money. It was a meeting of the minds. Yes. And again, out of the hundreds of seminars, uh, webinars, conferences, meetings, symposiums, um, and anything you can think of, right? Uh, any of those groups that we've, we've gotten together for education, the retreat by far for me was 
the most beneficial, the most knowledgeable that I've experienced in a long time. And, and it is my pleasure to go back in September and to join the group in the Big Apple in New York um, for the next retreat. There, this one, we also have another one afterwards coming up in Prescott, Arizona. Can't wait for that one. Um, But again, I think that this is an entirely different perspective on learning. And for those that really want to invest in your, your craft, your career, that this is the one and done for you. Right. Right. This is, um, you're going to come and you're going to get CEUs, but like you said, there's, there's conversation. There is not a, a speaker or a presenter standing at the front of the room, lecturing or preaching to everybody. Um, it's interactive and that's how it's intended to be. And, um, I had a great conversation with Betty Hovey and she said when she was talking and agreed to come out to San Diego for us, um, she said, this is a great idea because I have done so many presentations for AEPC and the like that, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the presentation, there's always so many people who have questions, who want to continue the conversation, who have specific questions about themselves, that they don't have an opportunity to get those answered because the time is limited and she has to leave her presentation to go to her next one or the attendee has to leave to go to their next uh, session. So this stops that. We have those conversations in the session. We have those conversations that maybe as we're walking to, because all of our all of our retreats are on campground or on dining or at the, um, Point Loma Nazarene University. We're walking to the dining hall together. We're sitting together as a group and those conversations just continue because that's who we are. Um, we're those nerds. We're those book nerds, right? We're wanting to know more and grow more. And I don't care that I've been doing this for 27 years. There's always something that I can still be learning. And that's why we're mastering the business, right? Um, because I know enough, like I could get by, but I, I want to continue to grow and learn and stretch myself professionally and personally. And that's why we're mastering that. But it's in a retreat setting. I, and not to get personal, but you wore jeans all weekend. Absolutely. Like I wore, I wore lounge pants. I may have wore a skirt. I can't remember, but it's a retreat because while we're learning, I want to be comfortable and I want all the attendees to come and be comfortable. And I don't care if they show up in flip-flops or tank tops. And as long as all the parts are covered. I learned that Sonal Patel has the best fashion sense out of all my friends. I had no idea. <laughs> She's amazing. Um, yeah, we just, we got to be comfortable and visit and chat. Um, and then usually Saturday night is our game night. And that's where we might have a bonfire, depending on the weather, we might have a bonfire. That's where we have all the games and the puzzles. And and I think people were up till, I don't know, an unreasonable amount of time. We're not going to um, tell you. Yeah. <laughs> don't tell me. But they were up late talking and bonding and playing games and that's how they're developing those personal relationships because people left there and they could say i have a personal relationship with sono patel and christine hall and pam vanderbilt um people don't care about beth sleeper but they know these people now right and so if i have a question about auditing or consulting i can call christine i can call betty i can call sono and that's where those connections are happening Absolutely. that you don't get when you do virtual. 
not knocking virtual. I found things. it also very helpful to discuss even some career challenges that we might have. Yes. How, how do we how do we deal with that very difficult client? Um, what happens when you've exhausted all of the uh, recommendations that you've provided to them? Right. Um, how do we build relationships with uh, healthcare attorneys? How do we market if we're going into an independent consulting role? Right. Those are all things that we just sat around and had these heart-to-heart -heart conversations. The, it was it was organic. It was pure. It was, uh, uh, again, life-changing, I felt like. So um, I wanted to take the last few minutes of our time together to discuss the, the retreat and to welcome and invite everyone to come to the retreat this year. Um, Beth, you host four retreats a year, is that correct? Um, we're doing four this year. So we did Adrian, Georgia in April. We did uh, San Diego in June. In September, we will do Hudson Valley, New York. Um, that's my home. That's my heart. So I am really excited about New York. And then we're going to do Prescott, Arizona, because I live in Arizona. Um, so Arizona was, was our home. That's where we started. That's This will be our fourth year here in Prescott. Um, we've done three years in, in San Diego. So um, yeah, we do a couple a year. And, and I'm not opposed to, you know, if somebody says, hey, we've got 25 people they'd love to attend in Nashville. We'll, we'll figure that out. Um, but this is really kind of, a, I started this because HealthCon is amazing and I absolutely recommend it, but it is 3,500 people. And for some of us, it's overwhelming. And believe it or not, I am a closet introvert. Um, <laughs> I know you're all laughing at that, um, but I am. And so, I mean, if I did not know you, Christine, I would never, I would see you in the hallway, but I would never talk to you. Um, only be because I'm shy. Like I don't start conversations with people I don't know. I don't. And I know if I'm like that, there are others like that. And I'm trying to break down that barrier. So the people who don't start those conversations, who would love to have a conversation with you, Christine, because you're an amazing person, but I'm too shy to start that conversation with you. Well, and I'm not shy. I'll start that with you, Beth. <laughs> and, and I will have that conversation with each and every one of you. Well, when you come to the Big Apple. Now that I know you, it, it's over. Like I'll talk to you all day, every day. But that's what I'm saying. Like there are some people who are just so introverted, um, yeah. or that that many people is overwhelming. But it's not fair that they're not getting the same quality of education or the same experience. And that's why we're doing the retreats. I I can't. And I absolutely I love it. Come out to the retreats, everyone. Um, come out and and let's talk a little more about the guidelines there. You yes. know, that's one of my passions. Um, and keep your eyes peeled for the itinerary as it comes up. I, I have a feeling that the fall is a great time to talk about change and the changes that we might be seeing yes. in the next up and coming year, especially in a, the first post full post pandemic year. What's that going to look like for all right. of us, right? Yeah. So thank you so much, Beth, for joining me. I can't believe our time is up already, but um, we have a lot more that we're going to be talking about and sharing with, with uh, all of the listeners. And if you need anything at all from an educational perspective, please reach out to Beth Schlieper. She is at Advanced Coding Services. All of her information is scrolling on the bottom, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, 
uh, reach out to her for any of your coding and education needs. And of course, we'll see you in two weeks for another episode of Coding with Christine Hall. Thanks for watching.